Welcome to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. Your hosts, Danielle Sullivan, National Director at Curriculum Associates, and Sari Liberis, Senior Manager, Marketing Operations at Curriculum Associates, are here to share actionable tips, best practices, and success stories to improve your teaching and drive student learning. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. It's Danielle. Hey, everyone. It's Sari, and welcome back to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. We know there's a lot happening right now, and we hope we can provide you with some insights, tips and best practices, and breathing room from the critical work you do. We are here to support teaching and learning wherever it is taking place. So today we have just Sari and I talking about some things. Uh, talking about some things that we've been thinking about. And so it's going to just be a little bit more of an informal episode, but we would love to hear from you based on what we're going to talk about. If you are excited or if you have things to add, please, please, please comment. uh, Let us know, email us, all of it. We'll let you know uh, towards the end of the episode how you can do all of that. But what we're going to talk about today is kind of the cross-section of social-emotional learning classrooms of today and teacher mental health. It's a lot, Danielle. (laughs) It is a lot. Where should we start? I'd like to start with brain science. Does that work for you? That sounds good. Yeah. So I've been in my, um, maybe you don't know because I'll edit this because I'm (laughs) staggering. I've been living in a 40 foot RV in upstate New York this summer. I have a house in Florida, but we've done this whole part of the what's happening with the pandemic and my personal life. I decided to make a change and live uh, part of the year closer to friends and family. So I feel like I've been in this cocoon of research and I've been reading lots and lots of books on brain science, how we learn neuroplasticity. And I feel like if you read the news, of what's happening with how social emotional learning has been politicized. What I'm going back to and what I keep returning to are how do we help students thrive in classrooms? In education, we are developing human potential. That is what our goals. And if you disagree, please let us know. But I feel like every teacher on this planet is into education or becomes a teacher to help students learn and thrive and understand. I mean, we hear when we've interviewed educators, what's your favorite moment? It's seeing the light bulb go off or having students get it or when something clicks for them. So how can we get back to why we want to to have students thrive in classrooms? Like, why are we even in education? And I believe the answer is in cutting edge neuro research on how we learn and how we can create more neuro pathways. But in order to do that, we need to infuse what is being called as social emotional learning, which I'm calling human connection. What we've known forever is that teachers who build wonderful relationships with students, then students are excited to come to school and then their brains are calmer and they'll learn more. Um, But what frustrates me is why is this so shocking or why does this have to be controversial? What do you think? Yep. And I think too, sometimes people might not understand the space as well as teachers or those who are in the field do. And they think that, 
Um, maybe a teacher will teach a math lesson and then a whole lesson on SEL. And what is this? They're wasting my, my child's time because they're, which, which I, personally, I don't think would be a waste, but that's neither here nor there, that it's separate from the curriculum. But really, I think what Danielle is trying to say that it's all embedded, it's it's incorporated into how you teach, it's how you inspire your kids, it's how you connect with them, it's how you have discussion in the classroom. And if you're able to, uh, you know, inspire and challenge students, these things will happen naturally. And there are some, you know, techniques or things that you can do to help elicit human connection, but it's not separate from the curriculum, right? It's what you do and how you live and breathe every day in your classroom. Right. And I think that's something that's causing teachers to be more stressed out and more burnt out is that first off, they constantly have things piled on them. I felt this way. I mean, teacher burnout is not a new uh, phenomenon. I was burned out as a teacher 10 years ago because I was allowing so much stress and I was working way too much and I was working a lot harder, not smarter. And then I wasn't really aware of my own self-care and my own emotions. And that was pre-pandemic. <laughs> so remember back in the past, 2019 or before, that was actually in 2005. So this is not new. And we just keep adding more pressure to teachers' plates. Then we have a global pandemic. Then we add more stress and anxiety about safety in, in classrooms. So I think the answer can be very simple, yet it's extraordinarily complex. And I know we've talked a lot about it on the podcast, and we've interviewed educators for the last two years who've talked about the importance of compassion and empathy and self-care and just knowing that everything's going to be okay. But where I also think we can't just hug everybody and not teach anything either. Like there has to be a combination of access, giving all students equitable access to high quality grade level content through an empathetic, supportive, safe lens and space where students will try and will show up and will rise to the occasion every time. So it's part belief. It's part making sure that you're taking care of yourself so you can do this work because kids will struggle, but they need to struggle because that's when they're going to learn. Yep. And it's that feeling of success, right? That you're trying to, to allow them to have, I forget who said this famous quote, I'm not going to quote it correctly because I don't have it in front of me, but it's the, what you're talking about reminds me of the quote. That's like, uh, t you won't remember what your students don't remember what you taught them, but it's how they, you made them feel or something of that nature. But, yes. but the way you're making them feel is through the teaching, right? So it's like when they get that aha moment or when they learn something or when they feel like they're, they can take risks in the classroom. And so exactly, it's meeting them where they are while challenging them so they can feel that success and that community, but you're doing that through your teaching, right? You're not just hugging them, like you said. Right, right. <laughs> you can't yeah. just, right. You have to hug their heart and their brain at the same time. Right. So part of what we do in this podcast is give you really actionable, tactical advice. So I'm gonna share three things that I have seen and been sharing that have really resonated with educators, which is the cross section of what we're talking about. Yeah, so what can teachers do tomorrow if they want tomorrow. to? Tomorrow, yeah. right. The first step, is something that um, it's, it's rooted in positive psychology. It's called positive priming. One of the brain rules that or brain research shows that brains need to know what to pay attention to. So in order to learn, they need to know, okay, everybody focus on this. 
Like whatever you focus on, that's what you will pay attention to. So how do we get students to know it's either they need to focus on a, a transition or maybe they need to know that it's math time or reading time or they just got a really stressful text from a friend. They're coming into your classroom. Their amygdalas are hijacked or maybe they're just they're just experiencing a lot of stress and trauma, period. So the first thing is rooted in positive psychology. It's called positive priming. It's getting our brains to, to know and be open to learning. So I'm going to share three ways you can do that. And it's universal. It can apply to math, reading, social studies, science. It doesn't matter. And it can be any grade level because everyone can benefit from this. Even at a staff meeting, you could do this. You need to interrupt the thought process with this, with one of these three activities. And then it snaps our brains to know, boom, I better pay attention. And then everyone's ready to do whatever you want them to do. Like be it, start your math lesson, start the faculty meeting. So the first is, and this is rooted in a lot of different, even culturally responsive uh, pedagogy, call and response. That is something that is very easy. Uh, it's just, it's a way to get everyone to focus. So you can choose what you want to call in response. If it's math, you can say, when I say math, you say, go math, go <laughs> math, go. When I say I'm, you say ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Math, go. I'm ready. Perfect. Okay. It's the same way that I'd want to know if I was walking to a meeting, what was about to happen. Or, you know, if someone says, get in a car, we're going somewhere. I, I would, you know, it's like, what's about, what's about to go down. Um, it's just fair to them, right? Tell them what's right. coming and get them excited about it. And it's a nice bright line between whatever they were doing before, whether it was a different class, a different subject, snack, whatever. Yes. So it's a good transition. Plus it's also, it's a validating and affirming and it's and then, and then asking students to listen too. So there's a lot of neuroscience um, and great pedagogy that backs that up. So call and response. Number two, movement. When you move, because a lot of times we store emotions in our bodies, a lot of times, just all the time, emotions are stored in our bodies. So when you can move, you're releasing energy, plus it allows your brain to know to focus on something. So before you start something, I, I've been sharing this in math. I call it math moves, but it could be ELA moves. It could be learning moves. So you would come up with a specific movement. And it's hard to explain this on a podcast, but maybe it'd be a jumping jack. Maybe it would be the, what is this thing called? The DAP? Dab? Is that Dab? <laughs> yep. You're asking uh -huh. the wrong person here. I'm asking totally the wrong <laughs> Maybe but you're just saying a, there's something that they associate that time with. Right. Uh, you could do a John Travolta, staying alive, BG move. There's a <laughs> lot of different things you could do. But what the point is, you would have students create a move and it could be a different move for every subject or that's their move. You could call them learning moves. And that's the movement they would do. They're very intentional about it. They do the movement. It's about a, like not even 30 seconds. And then you transition. So that's the second thing to get our brains to focus. And the third is universal. No matter what you're doing, three deep breaths and then a 15 second creepy smile. Now, it's hard to describe this on a podcast, but a creepy smile is smile as big as you possibly can, as weird as you possibly can for 15 seconds. The three deep breaths will immediately start to calm amygdalas, recenter you into your body. The creepy smile then and it's hard with masks, but you can still tell someone smiling with eyes. 
So if you're in a Zoom meeting, you could do this in a faculty meeting. If you have masks, not masks, it's it, it really the same science applies, but we have mirror neurons in our brain. So when someone's smiling at you, you cannot not smile back. You just, it's just, it's, we're neurobiologically built this way. Also smiling is going to start to open up your minds for positivity and open the brains for learning. So the three positive priming, number one, call and response, number two, movements, and number three, three deep breaths and creepy smile. Do you that recommend is- that order, Danielle? Like if I want to do all of them quickly, do you think we should start with the deep breaths or end that way? I would pick one. Okay, cool. Uh, depending, maybe you want to have different, uh, try different times. I wouldn't do all three at once. They're, they're very different. So, I mean, if you want to do all three at once, I'd probably do this. If you, if you really were super excited, I would breathe, move, call and response. Probably that, but, but play with it, play with the order for you, your students. And then the other thing that we've talked about, I'm, I'm not gonna say a million times. I tend to exaggerate with numbers. Yep. I also work with math and I can't stress this enough. You cannot take care of anybody else unless you take care of yourself. It is turning the corner. The holidays are coming. Um, If you live anywhere in the Northern hemisphere, winter's coming. That means you're going to be inside more. It's really important to take time for you. I am hearing educators burning out faster. Everyone's overwhelmed. Everyone's exhausted. What can you do to fill your own cup? And it doesn't have to be anything super fancy, but you, we all the same 24 hours in the day. How can you take at least some time for you? Cause if you don't take time for you, guess what happens, Sari? You can't make it's time taken. for anyone else. Oh, that too. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was going to say you can't make time for anyone else. Cause you're not, you're not ready. You're not with it enough. You're, you're somewhere else. Right. So we have to put on our mask before helping others. Yes. And whatever you need, we give you permission. If you're listening to this, thank you. Maybe this is your self-care time. I hope, I hope you add something else than just listening to podcasts. Um, sometimes for me, I've been so into learning that I forget. And I actually had a four hour car ride where I just listened to music and sang my heart out. And I needed that. I needed to just have a break from yep. learning. So I want to know from you, Sari, what is your number one self-care go-to? My number one self-care go-to, I love my Peloton and the Peloton app. So I either, they have five minute, 10 minute workouts. So even if I feel like I don't have a lot of time in the day, everyone has five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, they have really good stretches too. Like, I know this sounds so crazy, like I'm an old lady or something, but it's, it's just a nice way, like midday, take a 10 minute full body stretch. You feel like you got a massage after, like you're focused on what you're doing. So my mind isn't on my phone or elsewhere or thinking, it's not a high cognitive load. I'm just purely relaxing and trying to uh, listen to my body and kind of zone out. And that way I can kind of like regather myself. Awesome. What I've been doing as of recent has been uh, getting back to my love of music and how music calms my brain plus gives me a break. So I've been listening to a lot more fun music for me. And the second thing I've been doing is really doing a mindfulness practice. So if I'm feeling stressed out, there's a tree. So when I, when I move back to Florida, which will be very soon, I'm going to find another tree. (laughs) There's a tree that I see when I'm feeling stressed out, I notice the tree and I try to activate all of my senses. I'm like, there's a tree. What does it look like? What do you think it smells like? 
what does it sound like? So I literally go through the five senses in a mindfulness practice. And that calms me and brings me back to the moment. So when my brain starts racing, or if I feel stressed out, I just think of the tree. So those are two simple things, stretches during the day, everybody has five minutes. So it doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to do a whole full blown hour of power routine in the morning, which I also do, but then I beat myself up over if I don't do it. Right. (laughs) So you you don't need to be able to just like do 10 minutes here or there. Right. But 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes before you go to bed, maybe you read for a half an hour. It can be all sorts of things. As long as you're doing what you want to do and not what someone else wants you to do, I think is the main, the main point of this, right? Yes. And it doesn't have to look any way and it can change every single day, but our recommendation, couple activities to help with brain research, just infusing, making sure that students are feeling validated and affirmed and take care of yourself. If you want more in-depth, um, any of it, we are currently running some webinar series that we can include in the show notes. Even um, the, the even if you're late to the game to register, if you could register, it's going through mid-November and you can still access the recordings through the end of the year. We're constantly adding more content. There's lots of other podcasts that we've recorded around teacher self-care, um, around a lot of really great ideas of how to infuse some of this in the classroom. But we hope this was helpful. These are some of the things we're thinking about, but we just, we appreciate you. We appreciate those of you who are listening. We appreciate what you're doing. And it is rough. It is, it's a hard time to be a teacher right now, but it doesn't have to be. And your kids need you. So you need you and your kids need you. And let's all continue to focus on what's important. Students thriving together. Yes. And we will link all those resources in the show notes that Danielle just mentioned. So. That is all we have time for today. Uh, Thank you for imparting us with your wisdom, Danielle. Uh, I think hopefully educators will really find this helpful. Um, And hopefully we'll hear about uh, folks doing one of those or multiple (laughs) strategies in their classroom with their kids. Um, In the meantime, you can follow along on Twitter and on Instagram at Curriculum Asoche and at MyIReady. Please be sure to tag us in your post too so we can see the amazing work that you do. If you have feedback about the podcast, a topic of interest, or want to be a guest, you can send us an email at extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe where you listen to podcasts and review an episode if you feel inclined so we can reach more educators like you. This is about you. We are here for you. So until next time, be you, be true, be extraordinary. This podcast is produced by Curriculum Associates and is the copyrighted material and intellectual property of Curriculum Associates.